Welcome into A to Z Sports Prime Time on a Tuesday night. Hope everybody's having a great week with all of the stuff that's happened for the Titans. We know that even where their personnel is limited, they have been able to put together successful game plans, right? And so whether it's the Patriots, where there's a clear and obvious path to success on the ground and using the ground game, your opportunity gets nuked by four turnovers, whether it's what happened against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where the ground game, again, was working the way that you needed it to, and the passing game was efficient enough until turnovers started and everything blew up uh, in their faces. Yet again, that's happened three times this season in three of the five losses that they've had. And so now, you know, there's a path to success against the 49ers that we're going to talk about, and it's even possible without A.J. Brown. We don't know whether he's going to play or not. We saw him back at practice today. I took a bunch. Uh, how uh, how I took a bunch of videos. Uh, Ryan Fix says, what's the title? How the Titans can beat themselves again without A.J. Brown? I've seen this movie before. No, this is how the Titans can beat the 49ers without A.J. Brown. They need to do it to be able to keep a handle on things. To get to double-digit wins right now would be huge. You have to continue to win football games to stay ahead of the Indianapolis Colts. And this is not going to be an easy task, but it's something that they have to have. So we'll get into this. And uh, Ryan Powell says, can y'all believe we can miss the playoffs? It's possible, so they better get their shit together, right? And we'll talk about it uh, over the course of tonight's show. And now I, I already see the Golden Tate questions rolling in. Uh, I said on the radio show that I'm going to do it once every hour until people stop asking me about it, and I'm going to do it once at the top of the show, in case you didn't watch yesterday, and that's fine. I'm not mad at you, not mad at the question. I'm simply going to address it once, and then we'll move on. Jeremy Graham wants to know, why is Tate not getting a chance with all the injuries? We need to get something out of someone. Well, Jeremy, he's not playing because he's not good enough to play. He's not good enough to play over Cody Hollister. He's not good enough to play over Racing McMath. Why people are uh, caught up on this notion that Golden Tate is going to be an upgrade is a foreign concept to me. Watched him at practice today. He was running scout team. That does not indicate to me that he is going to be anything but a practice squad wide receiver unless somebody can't go. And if Julio can't go, Golden Tate has to play. I don't think that you're going to look at that and say, after the fact, wow, I'm really glad Golden Tate dressed for the Titans on Thursday Night Football. It's nothing personal against Golden Tate. He's not doing anything wrong. It's just the nature of where his game is right now and how much he can actually contribute, which is not a lot. So let that be the end of the Golden Tate discussion, and let's keep it moving forward. And I'll do that every night that I need to when people stop asking me about Golden Damn Tate. Steven says, no, Buck, I'm not, listen, I'm not arguing with you, Steven. I, uh, I really, I really don't, I really don't care to do it. Taylor Paisano says, how many times have you answered that question, Buck? LOL. I hear you get hazed on the radio every day. Well, <laughs> I, uh, I, I get, I get asked that question probably, I mean, no less than 15 times a day between phone calls on the radio show and comments here. And that's fine. You guys have questions. I go to practice. I'm here to answer them. I'm not. I'm not here to bite your head off about it, no, no matter how many times I get asked, right? It's the least that I can do. It's all good. So let's talk about this actual game, though, because there's a bunch of different places that I, I think the Titans match up well. And what it gets down to is, can they play clean, mistake-free football, right? At the end of the day, that's what matters more than anything. 
They're not that much different of an offense, even without Derrick Henry and without A.J. Brown and without Julio Jones. They have the ability to move the football. With all that being said, the turnovers are what kill them. Like, they're not a substantially different-looking team from start of the season, even if the personnel was better, to where they are now, where they're clearly struggling and and still able to move the ball, but they're struggling because they're making life harder on themselves because when they have one turnover, they all of a sudden have four or five. It happens very quickly. So with all that being said, with all that being said, how can they do it outside of playing mistake-free football, which is the obvious answer. That's the thing that needs to happen for it to look like 20 to nothing against the Jacksonville Jacks because you've got a defense good enough to do so. So what I want to know from you guys on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, or on Twitch, wherever it is that you're watching us, your Two Rivers Ford take. Where do the Titans best match up with the 49ers? Let me know in the comment section. You're going to hear from Kevin Byard. You're going to hear from Mike Vrabel. um, And we'll have a gone viral video for you later on as well that has to do with the AFC South. But your Two Rivers Ford take to start things, wherever it is that you're watching us. Where do the Titans best match up with the 49ers? Let me know, and we'll talk about it together. Right after I tell you about our friends at Dra- at uh, Two Rivers Ford, who present the Two Rivers Ford take each and every night. Two Rivers Ford has so many great offers for you on so many cool, American-made, quality Ford vehicles. The Ford product, it's unmatched anywhere. But what Two Rivers Ford does to make that an even better experience outside of just the car itself is to make sure that they focus on you as the customer, on your needs, on your budget, whatever it is that you require, that is what Two Rivers Ford is going to take into consideration. They're not going to look to uh, price gouge you because inventory, as we all know, whether you're ordering a couch, a mini fridge, or trying to get a new car, we all know that things with supply chain disruptions are more difficult to come by. And there's been a lot of car dealerships that have jacked their prices up. Two Rivers Ford hasn't done that, and they'll make sure that the, you get exactly what you need that w- is with well within your range of what you're looking for and not feeling like, you know, your typical car dealership experience, like you've been uh, like you've been either harassed into getting a certain kind of car or whether you've gotten something that you don't necessarily know what you've gotten, but the sales salesman is trying to make a paycheck on commission and they've, you know, they've done you a disservice. That's why the Two Rivers Ford sales staff is not commissioned. So they get a paycheck whether they sell you a car or not. No pressure during the car buying experience at Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So how or where do the Titans match up best with the 49ers right now? Uh, Let's go to the comments before you get to, uh, before we let you hear from some people from practice today. Uh, let's see. Defense is good against the run and has been solid at tackling. And that's what San Francisco wants to do. Run and short passes to Debo and Ayuk space to operate. Yeah. And George Kittle, obviously a big part of their passing game. They don't ask the quarterback to do a whole lot. There is efficiency there because they are successfully able to, you know, limit Jimmy Garoppolo's limit Jimmy Garoppolo's whether it's mistakes or whether he's just not good enough in certain parts of the game, they do well to kind of make sure like Mac Jones, right? The Patriots aren't asking Mac Jones to do a whole lot that he's not capable of. 49ers have been successful doing that with Jimmy Garoppolo. And now they're eight and six. They've won two straight and they're scoring just over 29 points a game. 
So the offense for the 49ers is good, and the defense is solid as well. Fred Warner is a stud in the middle of that, and I believe he just got paid. Um, just follow the Colts' game plan against them, says Ryan Powell. Well, yeah, but Ryan, that's that's incorrect, I think, because if you'll recall, I can't remember if it was Sunday night football. It was a primetime game. I want to say it was Sunday night football, maybe Monday night. Either way, the Colts were in San Francisco, and the conditions were horrendous. That field was torn up, and any time you play in those kind of conditions, the the conditions favor the offense because the offense knows where it's going with the football and the defense has to be reactive. Oh my God. I think the Washington football team just scored and fumbled at the goal line. I think they just gave that ball to the Eagles. We'll see they're up 20 to 10 right now. It's unclear as to whether that was a, a whole turnover or if he was down by contact, I think he might be down anyway. Um, so with all that being said, the Colts with that running game and with Jonathan Taylor, now you don't have Jonathan Taylor. You have something that's, kind of close to that, but you certainly have a run-based attack, but Jonathan Taylor is a special kind of player, and in that game, uh, it favored the offense in a big, big way. Now, I think that there are reasons why their offense didn't play necessarily all that well, San Francisco's did in those conditions, but I think ultimately, there is a path to success there through the run, even if it doesn't look just like the Colts' Niners game, Ryan, I think there's probably some truth there, but you also have to take it in consideration what environment that game was played in and how it kind of worked out in favor of the Colts. Dwayne Holiday says Washington just scored. Yeah, if you're not, uh, I don't know which Tuesday night football, it's so weird to have football on a Tuesday night. I love it. Um, I don't know which Tuesday night football you guys have, but I've got the Washington football team and the Eagles on in my office right now, Washington just scored. It's 20 to 16 pending an extra point attempt. So we'll see what happens here with 11.44 to go in the fourth quarter. Six and seven, both of these teams, just an eternal suffering, the NFC East. So with all that being said, where the Titans match up best against the San Francisco 49ers? Well, I'm going to tell you where they match up best here in just a second. Because uh, I talked to Kevin Byard about this. I talked to Jeff Simmons about this earlier today and Rashawn Evans. And we'll hear from one of those people here in just a second. Right after I tell you about this great offer that DraftKings Sportsbook has on Christmas week. An official sports betting partner of the NBA is DraftKings Sportsbook. And they have a gift that will certainly put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. It's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket this holiday season. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get in the Christmas spirit with the holiday free bet surprise. Everyone will get a free bet up to 50 bucks instantly as DraftKings gives away up to $10 million in prizes. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code A2Z Sports. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and win $150 in free bets if they do so. It's all available to you in the DraftKings Sportsbook app using promo code A to Z Sports this Christmas week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Tennessee only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-889. Nine seven eight nine. So, where do the Titans best match up 
with the San Francisco 49ers. What I'll tell you right now is this defense for Tennessee, it's playing lights out. They have to because the offense can't score points. Reminds you kind of uh, of like Mari- Marcus Mariota at the start of the 2019 season where the defense was giving up uh, about 20 points per game in the early going because they had to because Mariota and that, and that offense couldn't get the ball down the field. Feels a little bit like that, except there is hope for this offense's sustainability because with Marcus, you know, it wasn't clear as to uh, whether he had recovered from his injury, but something with him wasn't right. Quarterback here is fine, even if he's getting just the holy hell beat out of him. He's the second most sacked quarterback in the league with 41 sacks behind Joe Burrow, who's been sacked 44 times. But what we know is that the Titans defense playing pretty good football right now. And I asked Kevin Byard about how they planned and how they would prepare for somebody like Debo Samuel and the San Francisco 49ers today. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just like a jack of all trades. Uh, He's like a receiver one slash running back one. You know what I'm saying? Like He he does really well with the ball in his hands, and I think they just try to find a lot of different ways to get the ball in his hands and let him go out there and make plays. Uh, His running style kind of reminds me of uh, Alvin Kamara, where he just has really good contact balance. Uh, He breaks tackles, and if you don't don't put your shoulder pads on him, you just, you know, bring your arms, he's going to break all those tackles. They use a lot of window dressing, obviously, but how much can he be an indicator of what it is that they're trying to do on any given play? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, if you see him in the backfield more than like they're not putting him back there to to chip her in or block her in, he's probably getting the ball. Um, you know, they're going to motion him a lot. Obviously, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, hopefully I'm saying that name right, 44, he does a lot of motion as well, things like that, and he's a, a pretty good uh, receiver out of the backfield as well. So, I mean, I think the stats say, man, like like 70-some percent motion on every single play. So we know uh, as a defense we have to anticipate motion on every single play, anticipate different formations, different looks that they're going to show us one look and it's going to change. So I think that's going to be a big key for us on a short week. So that's Kevin Byard talking about Debo Samuel and how much the San Francisco 49ers do to get him involved in a million different ways. Um, New England Titans says our defensive line is one of the best in the league. I think we can still get pressure on Garoppolo. And I and I do think there's some truth to that, right? Now, they don't ask him to throw it a lot. So you're asking, I mean, let me let me go through and, and look at uh, a Jimmy G game log just out of curiosity to see how many attempts that he's been throwing in his last couple of games. It can't be a lot because they 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 run the ball so well that Jimmy isn't having to throw a ton. And I'll find that for you momentarily. But at this point, you know, when he does drop back to pass or when they do roll him out and use play action the way that, you know, in a perfect world, the Titans offense would do so well, I think that, it goes a long way with uh, with this defensive line to be able to get after him. Now, he's got 18 touchdowns. He's got eight interceptions. He's thrown for 3,172 yards, 54.2 QBR right now. It's good for 10th. So Jimmy's playing solid football. Now, he uh, against, let's see, let's look at his attempts in his last couple of games for Garoppolo. Uh in his last games, he had all right. So he threw 41 passes against Cincinnati, which is a high on the season. That's the most that he's thrown this season. But against the Falcons this past week, 23 attempts, 30 attempts, and a loss against the Seahawks, 26 attempts. So you know he's throwing it a little bit more. But like his best games, they beat the Rams. Uh, they beat the Rams 31 to 10. And Jimmy completed 15 of 19 passes for 182 yards and two touchdowns. They love that. 
that's how they want to play football, right? And they can run the ball on a team like the Rams because the Rams don't play the run all that well. Uh, you know, he was 16 of 27 against the Colts. He was 14 of 23 against the Seahawks. He's not throwing a ton of passing attempts, and that's because they don't want him to. They don't need him to. Um, but when he does, when he does, uh, when he does pass, you know, obviously you want to be able to pressure, and you've got a good defense to do that. And it seems we talked to Mike Rabel about it. He said Bud Dupree held up well. We'll see how it looks on a short week. Uh, BK Titans eighty five says twenty three attempts is about what we should be asking of Tannehill. Someone forgot to tell Downing that though. Yeah, and you know when when they were playing playing their best football last season, it was something like twenty three attempts. Like he he would be hugely efficient, He's like seventeen to twenty three, um, in in some cases. And or I'm just throwing out a stat line there, but like he he does well when he doesn't. I mean, any quarterback does, right? Any quarterback in this kind of an offense, it, it works fine. They don't have to bomb it all over the place. They don't have to throw for three hundred fifty yards, but they can, and they can do it on short. Uh, on minimal passing attempts because in a perfect world, this offense and the 49ers, they're built for yards after contact, right? Yards after the catch, big, hulking, bruising, uh, playmakers, special guys with the ball in their hand. Debo's, even though he's not physically overwhelming, Debo is that, right? A.J. Brown is that. Derrick Henry is that. So there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this and say, yeah, there's a lot of similarities about these two teams. But the defense the defense in particular, I mean, they're suffocating uh, teams that try to run against them right now. There was nothing there for Pittsburgh. Um, they didn't seem like they really feared Pittsburgh's passing game so they could sell out and, and hold Najee Harris to, you know, minimal uh, minimal um, attempts and, and yards per carry. Ryan Fix says, Buck, do you subscribe to Austin's take that Downing has no feel for the game? I mean, I don't think it's unfair, but like, well, I, here, here's what I'll say. Like, Sometimes it may seem like that, but you know, if Ryan Tannehill's struggling with the parts that are out there, then why shouldn't we have that same? Uh, why shouldn't we have that same conversation about Todd Downing? I think Todd's doing as good a job as he could. If, if this is a totally different conversation, if Ryan Tannehill doesn't get sacked on the first offensive play of the Steelers game because Dontrell Hilliard doesn't pick up the uh, doesn't help uh, doesn't help Aaron Brewer on the inside rush and he tries to sneak out for a pass. Instead, Tannehill gets sacked for an eight-yard loss, and Julio Jones had his man beat. Like, that's a touchdown on the first play, and it wasn't there. So, like, uh, a lot of people are doing to Todd. Like, Austin sounds like he's doing to Todd Downing what everybody did to Shane Bowen last year. And as you know, it's never as simple as one person. It's just not that. Even if you want somebody to blame and somebody to point a finger at. And I'm not saying Downing, like, I'm not, like, I don't say Downing's, like, crazy. I don't think he's overwhelmingly great. But he's fine. There's just a lot of problems turning over the football. Like, they move the ball fine. It's just they stall out in the red zone or they don't give themselves opportunity to get to the red zone because Ferkser coughs up a fumble that nobody forces or Ryan Tannehill gets a ball tipped at the line of scrimmage and it goes for an interception and a pretty substantial gain by Joe Schobert. So a lot of different reasons that you could dive into on that and say, yeah, Todd Downing's forcing things the way that Ryan Tannehill is forcing things they have to and it's not been great 13 turnovers in four games though who's who's going to do well under those circumstances as a play caller completely throws you out of rhythm so speaking of offensive struggles you know the the biggest thing that kills them outside of the turnovers is that they don't pass protect all that well and 
Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill, they both spoke to us today in press conference after practice or before practice rather. And, and we asked him, you know, why do, why do you, why are you so much better running the ball as an offensive line than in pass protection? And you'll hear from Mike Vrabel in just one moment. The question I want to ask you though, because this has to do with Dylan Radins and somebody who can't get on the field as a second round pick at tackle, despite David Questenberry's, I mean, real struggles on the right side of the offensive line. The question is this, which second round pick is turning out better? The one you spent on Julio Jones in a trade or the one that you used to bring Dylan Radins to Nashville? It's a loaded question. It's not a, it's not probably doesn't make you feel great, but which Titans second round pick is turning out better? Dylan Radins or the one that they spent for Julio Jones? Maybe better is not the right word, but we'll talk about it regardless. While you guys give me your answers, I'll tell you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com is where you go for your dream address without the stress. It's where you go to, to, uh, to sell your home for more or to make sure that you have the best intel in Middle Tennessee when you're buying or selling your home. The Ashton Real Estate Group is the official real estate agent of the Titans, of the Preds, and of A to Z Sports Prime Time. Nobody better to put you in a position to succeed on your real estate investments at the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage at GaryAshton.com. So, which better, which second round pick was spent better? The one traded for Julio Jones, go along with a fourth, or the one spent on Dylan Radins, it is a loaded question. Uh, Brandon Orton says, "Dude, Questenberry is absolutely terrible at right tackle. How did he win the starting job?" Well, and this is this is the question that you know a lot of people. Uh, oh, Eagles just scored again to uh, to take a nine point lead. Looks like right now, seven forty six to play in the fourth quarter. I think that's still awaiting an extra point. Twenty six seventeen. Questenberry has been the most consistent. I guess. And listen, I know, I don't know that the coaching staff feels as strongly as about, about Dylan Radins and his room to grow as they did like about somebody like Des Fitzpatrick at the start of the year, where it was clear that they did not think much of what he was able to do or how he was handling, uh, how he was handling his first off season as a pro and, and did make some progress. Mike Vrabel gave him some praise about what he was doing on show team and special teams um, before he went on the COVID list. But like Dylan Raidens, they clearly don't trust him. And at a certain point, you have to ask the question, my God, how bad could he be? Because Questenberry, who is a great story and is uh, a really, a really great guy. I like David a lot, but as a right tackle in pass pro, he has struggled. I mean, he has sincerely struggled. He gave up uh, five pressures alone on Sunday. He gave up two quarterback sacks. He gave up a quarterback hit. Like, there's a lot there with Questenberry, and it's the second game in a row where he's kind of he's kind of been worked over. Once against the Jags, Jihad Ward and Dwayne Smoot. This game against not just T.J. Watt, but, uh, oh, God, who was the guy on the Tannehill interception? Um this is going to drive me crazy, the the player for the Steelers. I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. But, like, it's not just star players that are that are giving Questenberry a hard time. He's he's not great in pass protection. That's probably his weakest point or his weakest place. 
at the position because they run the ball fine, right? So with all that being said, you know, which which is the better spent or which is the better spent second round pick for the Titans right now? Van Jeffrey says neither. Pauly D on Facebook Live agrees. Brandon Williams says the Raiden's pick and Julio is so depressing to think about. I mean, listen, the Julio experiment, the fact that Julio was even out on the field, I know in practice, but the fact that he was even out there today to supervise practice is a sign that something may be possible. I don't, I have no idea right now whether he's going to play on Thursday night, but that he was even visible on the field means that there is a chance that he could play. Now, AJ, I think that's a much longer, I think the odds on that are much longer, but we'll see. He may, they may feel good enough about him after uh, a short day of work on Monday and then, you know, a, a pretty slow paced practice today. They'll make the decision tomorrow to make him active if they want to, if they feel good enough about it. And if not, then he'll uh, continue to work on it and on a uh, week where they'll have a little more time off before their next game against the Dolphins. And they'll need him against the Dolphins because the Dolphins won six straight. Uh, can we choose C, says Titans Kyle, none of the above? I mean, you can, sure. Uh, should we keep Julio for another year, get rid of him? Yeah, I think you're going to keep Julio. That's only It only saves you like a million, $1.1 million to cut Julio next year. It's, you know, if he's got anything left at all, if you think he's got anything left. And, you know, there are moments where he looks, he looks completely, I mean, he looks like Julio and then he gets hurt. Um, if he's got anything left at all, it's not worth the money that you would save to cut him. So I think that you would try and find a way to keep him because you've already restructured once. How much worse could Raidens be than Questenberry? It says D good. Well, you know, I think what they're kind of banking on is if they could just get the offensive line to play a full game together, then they would be able to make progress. But like they don't, they haven't started and finished a game all year long with the starting five, right? Whether it's Saffold missing games, whether it's, uh, you know, Nate Davis with concussion, whether it was Lawan at certain points. Um, I don't think Questenberry has missed a game uh, off the top of my head. I don't think that has been the case. I know he's been injured at, in, in, at points and that Kendall Lamb has had to play for both of those guys, but I don't think Dylan Raidens is out, or uh, I don't think that David Questenberry is outright Missed a game right now. So, I mean, he could be he could be a lot worse for all we know. But when we asked Mike Frabel about, you know, why are you so much worse in pass protection than you are run blocking, I thought his answer was pretty interesting today. Offense and your next man up type of approach. Is it fair to say that you guys have done a better job replacing people and staying effective in the run game than you have in the past? And if so, why? And, and what do you have to do better in the past? Protect, get open quicker. Um... You know, make good decisions. Those are all things that, you know, help a passing game. Is it unusual to you at all from an offensive line perspective that you've done so well run blocking while struggling pass protect? Mm, we just, you know, need to improve in a lot of areas. You know, I think that there's times where, you know, it's it's really good and there's times where, you know, not so good and then the caliber of player and we got to make sure that you know we're doing everything that we can to, to help the guys and make sure we're conscious of the matchups and you know just being focused on that so you know i mean not necessarily an answer as to hey i mean 
and we won't talk to Mike until Friday at this point. I, in fact, I, I don't know what our, I don't think we have any kind of media availability tomorrow. Let me double check on that. I would imagine not. Uh, yeah, no media, no media availability on Wednesday. Uh, our email from Titans PR just says we'll get a final injury report released and that'll be that on Wednesday. So, uh, we won't talk to Vrabel again until zoom. We'll have a zoom, uh, press conference with Mike on Friday. So right now, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is to is, I mean, could Dylan Raiden's be this much worse than David Questenberry is. And clearly Kendall Lamb's not good enough either on the right side. Otherwise, Kendall Lamb would play. Chill Mode says, you know, Buck, it never occurred to me until now that it is one of the reasons pass protection is breaking down is because the wide receivers aren't getting open faster, especially with three to five step drop passes. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it, right? You know, like the Jets game, there are there were moments where the wide receivers just simply couldn't get off the coverage. And we've seen Ryan Tannehill, I, we saw Ryan Tannehill take a coverage sack Against Pittsburgh, like there is separation that is a part of that. Whatever Julio is, he's a veteran player. He's a physical player. He understands how to use his hands to get the receiver off of him. His game is so much predicated off of fast starts and stops that it does make it harder for him to shake people at this point, given what the injury is with the hamstring, right? But, you know, AJ is physical. Julio is physical. They're able to get get off these guys and just get a fraction of a second of separation so that they can make the catch. And even if they're covered a lot of times, they're big enough where they can make contested catches. So this is not something, I mean, Westbrook Aquina has size, but he's just, he's not Julio or AJ, right? Racy, I don't know. I have no idea what Racy McMath is right now. I couldn't, I couldn't give you the first uh, idea of where he is as a player um, as a wide receiver, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of growth that needs to be done there. Um, Van Jeffrey says, Buck, do you think schemes would help with receivers getting open? They are open, Van. Like, think okay, so like it's it's a good it's a good question, but you know, go back and I, I know not everybody's gonna go back and watch the game like I do because I'm gonna watch I've watched that game probably three times already this week from Pittsburgh. Um the first the first play of the game, right? Julio Jones is open. He's got a touchdown. Ryan Tannehill gets sacked because Dontrell Hilliard doesn't pick up doesn't pick up the uh, pressure on the inside. So there's a wide open touchdown pass that's that's null. It's an eight yard loss because Brewer needs help and Dontrell Hilliard doesn't help him because they're working with wide receiver or running backs who don't necessarily understand their pass pro. Um, there was three deep shots, three deep shots, two to Westbrook Aquina, and one to Cody Hollister. Like. Listen to what I just said. Two deep shots to Nick Westbrook-Akina. One where Nick is wide the hell open. Tannehill probably could have let him a little better, but it hits him in the hands. Like, he's got to catch the ball, right? Uh, he's got to catch the ball. It's a massive passing play. So on that, uh, on that, you're banged. And then there's two more to westbrook Well, one more to Westbrook-Akina. And then another one to Cody Hollister. Like, I'm sure you can pick, I'm sure you can picture in your mind those three deep passing attempts, because it's not like they're throwing the ball deep that often. But the guys, they're getting guys open. It's just, the play, I mean, the players aren't good enough. The scheme is there. The players are not good enough right now. Whether it's offensive line or wide receivers, they're, they're I mean, they're not just playing fourth. Or, Nick Westbrook is a four and is your lead guy when Julio Jones isn't out there and when A.J. hasn't been out there. He's a four 
Marcus Johnson isn't there. Cam Batson isn't there. Like you, I think I think so many guys, so many of these guys have been hurt for so long that people start to forget. No, we're not just on the backups. We're on the backups for the backups, and we're with we're playing. They're they're out there playing with dudes and who were you know in street clothes the week before. Uh, there's. There's so many reasons why it looks this way. And I know that you want one definitive answer or one person to blame or, you know, how, what, what do you fix? And honestly, the fix is they're just unlucky. They're just unlucky as far as injuries. Look at the Bucs, right? Look at, look at the Super Bowl winning teams. The Chiefs were hugely unhealthy last year. The offensive line was a wreck. Patrick Mahomes was making crazy passes. They, they would hit the hit the, the receiver or the running back in the end zone in the face and they would drop off their hands. Or, or Mahomes is running for his life with turf toe because the offensive line, he didn't have, I don't think he had a single one of his starting offensive line in that game. And the Bucs were super healthy. Chiefs the year before had a lot of their best players healthy. It so much comes down to luck in this, guys. I mean, I know you hate that as analysis, but it is it is such a weird game. Because you have no idea what one thing could completely collapse on you in any given moment. And for the Titans, there's been a million different things collapsing and they can only put out so many fires. Uh, Ryan says, don't tell Joe Rexroth that NWI is a four. He'll kick your ass. <laughs> it's Listen, the fact, that NW, the fact that NWI is a four is great. That's great from what he was. But like Marcus Johnson was better and AJ is better and whatever Julio is right now when he's healthy, he's better. So all that to say that you, you can only do so much right now. So who's who's the better option as a second round pick? I mean, it's Julio, but oof, Dylan Raids, man. I mean, what what I we don't talk to him. I mean, I can't tell you the last time we've talked to Dylan Raitens. Um, and I haven't requested him because I don't know that they would make him available. I, can, I mean, I can ask for Dylan Reigns, but what would I talk to him about? I mean, man, what's are are you just bad at this, or do you not? Are you not picking up the 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 playbook? Like we don't the way that everything is regimented now with the way that our access is is handled at practice and uh, on the fence line when we do interviews. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to get the answer to that question from Dylan Reigns until I don't know when. I have no idea when the next time I'm going to talk to Dylan Reigns. What would I say? Buddy, are you, are you bad? Like, what's happening? What's wrong with you? <laughs> That's not fair. I don't know if anything's wrong with him. I just know that the coaching staff doesn't trust him right now. Okay, gone viral. Let's wrap things up on uh, – <laughs> Joe did get frabled today. That's right. <laughs> Alex said at the end. Rex Road showed up to the press conference today, didn't ask a question, and then Vrabel just looks at him and goes, Joe, you don't have to come to these things. Like, you're, not, you're just going to sit here and mooch. You don't have to be here. Get out of here. Uh, Dylan Raiden's had an otherworldly mini camp, didn't he? Uh, I seem to remember coaches media gushing all over. I don't think that's ever happened. What? No, I don't think that's accurate. Uh, I remember I went back and read, read the article that I wrote. Um, it was sometime during training camp, I think about him being dropped into the perfect situation because he wasn't going to have to start right away. They had time to get him ready. And now we're in week 16 and he's not ready as a second round pick. Uh, there was, I don't remember. In fact, I remember talking about him getting worked a couple times by Ola Adeni practice. And then, you know, there's the preseason game against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he gets just ragdolled by uh, not just Joe, is it Tryon Shoyanka? I'm going to, I'm going to mispronounce. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to mispronounce the rookie for the Buccaneers name. Number nine. He's fantastic. He's an incredibly good player. 
Um, but it wasn't just him that was giving Dylan Raidens the business in that game. It was a couple of different depth guys for Tampa Bay in the preseason. So, no, I don't ever remember having a conversation about Dylan Raidens having a good mini camp. In fact, I don't I think he had a, I think it was pretty underwhelming. Um, I can't remember. I think maybe he played pretty well in the preseason game against the Bears. But, yeah, I don't think there – I just don't think there was much there. Anyway, nothing to – Nothing to lose sleep over. Dwayne Carroll says, where is Caleb falling? I don't know. Chilling. Tore his ACL. Um, I mean, maybe. I don't know that he's – I don't – I have no idea if Caleb Farley's around the team right now. I would assume um, if they have him around that they would try to keep him around just because, you know, it doesn't hurt. But, like, I don't know where he can what, – what does it matter? He can't play. Uh, all right. So – what did I say? Oh, Achilles. I said, uh, I said, I said Achilles. I, I apologize. His ACL. That was a, it was a torn ACL. Uh, that's, uh, um, oh, are you guys responding? Did I, I don't know if you guys are correcting me, if you're correcting Dwayne, regardless. Anyway, let's keep it moving. Let's wrap things up. Let's do a gone viral video, shall we? Uh, and the question that I want to ask you is this, what was the most sad part or the saddest part about the Jags versus the Texans on Sunday. I saw that there were wiener dog races. I saw that they had a, uh, you know, they put up their programming. Uh, they put up their programming schedule for like the week in Jags media, and it had the Urban Meyer show at 5 p.m., but of course that's not, it's no longer happening. There was a lot of different things about the Jags-Texans that made you sad if you happen to stumble upon it in a in downtime during the red zone on Sunday. But I want to know what the saddest part of the Jags versus the Texans was to you if you had the opportunity to see that game. Let me know in the comments section. We'll talk about it together right after I remind you about Brymac Mechanical. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. Satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. Commercial, residential, Brymac has you covered the best in the business is Brymac Mechanical at B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. So, what was the saddest part of that game on Sunday? Uh, Van Jeffrey says the saddest part was that they played each other. Uh, Alex Blaine says Trevor Trevor Lawrence's nose. I didn't see. Um, I didn't see something. Did something happen to Trevor Lawrence's nose? Did something bad happen to him? I hope he's okay. He's just going through it this year uh Dwayne Holiday says Buck will you be at the Texans game Dwayne I'm at every game so yes I will be in Houston in week 18 um they uh the saddest part of the te- Jags Texans was the Jags Texans says Casey James yeah that's true but no uh, all of you are wrong unless somebody said this and I missed it earlier the saddest part of this game was that the Jags scored a touchdown while a fan was running around in the end zone, and they didn't stop play. They just let things happen because there's no rules in Jacksonville, Florida, and nobody cares about this anymore. I want to watch that again. I can't tell if he's got a Jags mascot like head on or if he's wearing a wig, but that that is so funny to me. 
So that was the saddest part of the Jags, Texas. The fact that there's a fan in the end zone, a touchdown is scored, and nobody notices until after the touchdown. And, you know, of course, the Jags still lost because they're the Jags. Um, Brandon Blair Wood says, I'm dying. Coy's just laughing. Ryan says, and they still lost. Yes, they, the Jags, no matter, they, they, find, uh, they find defeat even in victory, even though there was no victory. Uh, the victory was getting rid of Urban Meyer, and, you know, they still took it out, so. Things going poorly. I mean, they're going to have the first overall pick again. And the, I don't know. I He looks so much worse, Trevor Lawrence, man. I'm worried about him. I hope that turns out well for him, even if, you know, I know you don't because you guys are Titans fans. Um, Breezy Caleb says, Buck, I got tickets for the Dolphins game because it's on my birthday. If we lose, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> well, I uh, I hope for your sake uh, they don't lose on your birthday. But, yeah, they, they could mess around and lose to the Dolphins. Dolphins playing pretty well right now. All right, it's going to do it for us tonight. Enjoy. Well, there's 25 seconds remaining in this uh, Washington football Eagles game. I don't know if the Rams and Seahawks are still going. We'll see if Fox switches over. Regardless, enjoy your evening. I will talk to you tomorrow, last primetime show tomorrow, because uh, we won't do it during first. We won't do primetime during Thursday night football radio show. Going to be a lot of fun as well. 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone, and I'll be on Thursday and Christmas Eve as well because I'm going to work after the game and then take Monday off for my holiday. See you all tomorrow on A to Z Sports Primetime.